Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1,896. The topic is Q&A and the title is Powerlifting Template from Beginner to Advanced. We had a listener reach out, said they're a personal trainer and they're wanting to learn how to program for powerlifting. They want to get into powerlifting competitions for themselves. Uh, They listened to an older podcast I had about how trainers can benefit from competing in something. It doesn't mean you have to be, you know, the world's best at anything. It just, it helps to learn uh, a lot of different aspects. Um, You know, like nervous, uh, being nervous and how to manage that. Also how to manage the needed consistency that you have to have for nutrition and training among the chaos of life when you're getting ready for a competition. Uh, there's just there's a lot of benefits, a lot, and um, I'll leave it at that. Uh, but there is a uh, benefit to trainers for them to compete in some type of sport. Now, that was back in podcast 413, so that was a long time, a long time ago. But Podcast 413 was a trainer education podcast titled Why You Should Compete in a Sport. You can find old podcasts by going to our website, www.brutalirongym.com. We have a podcast player on the site. You can go underneath the podcast player, and there are instructions on how to get to older podcasts. So you can type in, like basically it's a search function. So you type in uh, like just 413. You can type in compete in a sport, you know, whatever little kind of, edit like small part of the title but it's podcast 413 trainer education why you should compete in a sport so they asked about powerlifting and they thought it would be fun because they have clients who would like to get stronger and they're like well why don't i do something that not only i can benefit from but my clients also want to do and it just kind of helps everybody i i directed them to our website and on the website we actually have a free powerlifting template like programming template, it's 50 pages long. It's pretty awesome. So you can go to our website, go to free program examples page, and then we have a tab that says general dash free templates and programs. So under the template section, you can click on the powerlifting template and you can view it and print it. We also have a fat loss and shaping template for 30-minute workouts, one for 60-minute workouts. We have programs for female shape development, bodybuilding, female, uh, functional athleticism. We have a lot of a lot of good stuff on the website. Uh, but, you know, you have to know it's there to look for it. <laughs> but it is there. So what I want to do today is just read through the general concept of the programming for powerlifting. And if you find this interesting at all, you can go to our website and uh, download the template. So you don't have to worry about trying to take all of the notes in today's podcast because everything's covered in the template, but I wanted to give you a quick rundown. Now, this structure that I'm about to give is not the only way to structure powerlifting programming, and it is not the only way that I actually use. <laughs> so it's not the only way that exists, and it's not even the only one I use. But this is most often the one that I start people with. And I have had people start from their first meet ever, like before they ever competed in a meet, we got them ready for the first meet, all the way to an elite total with this model. And I've done that dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times. <laughs> so... It has worked absolutely, definitively has worked for people of all shapes, sizes, genders, ages, everything. 
And uh, that's the one that I would typically have anybody start with. So whenever I have interns from the university who want to be trainers, I teach them this. Uh, whenever I have clients who want to be personal trainers, I teach them this. So this is going to be a quick rundown of that template. So if you're looking to get into powerlifting, it it can seem overwhelming. When I first wanted to do this, I, I started back in 2011 kind of learning more about powerlifting. I've been doing bodybuilding and what I knew strength training to be until that point, but I never competed in powerlifting. So I wanted to start competing in powerlifting. So I started reading all the programs that were available. I went through Westside Barbell, um, the conjugate system. I went through Brandon Lilly had a cube method, the 531. Uh, Lily Bridge had uh, their family had a, a program. Uh, there was a lot. Uh, I, I know I'm missing a, a gajillion of them, <laughs> uh, but there was a lot of programs I would read through. I would try, and I eventually kind of synthesized them down to what I am going to teach you now. And this has been, uh, without a doubt, the most successful structure that I've used. So. With this structure, we would want at least three workouts per week. So if somebody can get in at least three workouts per week, they can do great at powerlifting. If they can only do two a week, that can be done, uh, but you have to modify the structure a little bit, and it's a little harder to do. Uh, it's just going to take them longer to develop, uh, depending on their technique retention, their mental retention for technique on the lifts. But three a week is the minimum. I would prefer somebody works out four days a week if they can. Now, Every single workout is going to have three main elements. There's going to be a movement prep, a main lift, and then the accessories that you do that help build the main lift. So the movement prep is literally you're just preparing your body to move well and lift for the day. So the reason why this is so important is we don't come into the gym feeling our absolute best. It's just not going to happen. We've been sitting for a long period of time or like calf muscles can be tight from sitting or, long, or walking. Hip muscles are tight. Posture is kind of weak. Uh, just shoulders like might be rolled forward sitting at a computer all day so your chest muscles are super tight. There's just a lot of reasons when we come into the gym that having full external rotation in the shoulder to get my hands behind a barbell and then squatting the parallel will have been like those will be positions you haven't been in probably since the last squat workout <laughs> so we have to open up those ranges of motion and prepare the body to move well for that day now the movement prep section you can listen to podcast 1112 it's a training podcast titled the best warm-up routine now this is covered in the template so you don't have to necessarily listen to that podcast but if you want more details that podcast 1112 would give you those details the idea is, is we're going to do something to make sure the shoulders are able to move through a full range of motion make sure our hips are loose and moving through a full range of motion and then we do something to train the core and typically i do anti-movement exercises meaning we do anti-rotation, anti-flexion, anti-extension, because when you're doing heavy squats and deadlifts, you're trying to hold a neutral spinal position. You're trying not to extend or flex or rotate. So we tend to do a lot of drills and exercises that are focused on anti-movement. 
That's a lot different than what people probably are typically used to training their core for or their abs for. So that's just good to learn about and then, then to realize that that's actually a uh, category <laughs> of training your core that would be very helpful to know uh, if you're doing powerlifting. So that's the movement prep. Just make sure the shoulders are warmed up and ready to go, hips warmed up, ready to go, and the core has been... Um, like the word activated sounds kind of weird because your core, it's like it's not like you're turning it on, but you're almost uh, kind of setting your mind muscle connection. You're setting your brain's awareness for that day of abdominal tightness and bracing, which is what you need for heavy lifts. So, therefore, it's probably good to have practiced that before you get a heavy weight on you. But that's the idea of the movement prep is it just prepares your body for the day. You then would go into your main lift, you know, squat, bench, deadlift, whatever it might be, variations. And then you have the accessories, which would be the exercises that are related to the main lift. And I'll go through and give you individual examples uh, for the workouts. So those are the three main components. And then two components that I add regularly, but not necessarily right away. Depends on the person I'm working with. One is... Uh, central nervous system preparation and development. So the CNS, central nervous system. This uh, essentially, when you prepare your CNS before a heavy lift, what that means is you're getting adrenaline and endorphins starting to be produced. You're getting the body excited and it's going to feel more explosive during the main lift. And it's going to feel less kind of pain during the main lift. The, the, the weights won't feel as heavy. So we typically would do CNS prep between the movement preparation and the main lift. So right after you prepare the body for movement, you do CNS prep. And that would be like heavy carries, like farmer's carries, uh, trap bar carries, yoke, uh, which well, not necessarily a carry, but yoke walks. Uh, where we are doing that stuff, I typically do before squats. We are not looking for heavy eccentrics. We don't want any pre-damage to the muscle tissue, but we just want to pick up something heavy and walk with it. And if I can do, you know, a yoke walk of 600 pounds and then go try to squat 400, 500, that 400, 500 kind of feel a lot lighter. So I do a lot of carries on squat days. We do a lot of jumps on deadlift days because that builds the explosiveness to push through the floor that you'll need on deadlift. And then we do some explosive uh, presses on bench day and that could be explosive push-ups you can also lay on your back and throw a med ball up in the air uh, just trying to get the body excited get it prepared to move uh, get yourself kind of warmed up and ready to go and then cns development uh, that would be in in relation to the main lift we will do like squat uh, walkout holds where Maybe before their main sets or after the workout, after the main sets, we might have them unrack, step back, and hold uh, for 10 seconds, just a normal kind of starting position of a squat that's maybe 100, maybe up to 110% of their one rep max. So maybe their one rep max is 405. I would have them unrack 405, step back, stand for 10 seconds, breathing and bracing, then walk back into the rack and rack it. They might, they're not going to squat it, but it gets them used to picking up 405 more often. If we're picking up 405 every single week, the CNS develops to understanding that 405 is normal and common, and therefore it doesn't feel so shocking and heavy when we go for our next maxed testing. Now, bench press, 
We do lockout holds, same thing. You just unrack it, hold it for 10 seconds, rack it back up. Uh, deadlift, you can do it in various ways. You might do a one-inch lockout where you just pick up and lock out the deadlift one inch in a squat rack. I'll also do heavy carries, maybe even trap bar deadlifts. You do some kind of shortened ranged lift uh, that just lets you get that sensation of very heavy weight pulling through your upper back and arms. So CNS prep and development are things I add in very quickly once a person uh, understands the other elements. Then we also manage intensity waves. We have podcast 1846, which is a training podcast titled Controlling Program Intensity Wave Concept. So you can listen to that podcast. That was just 50 podcasts ago, not too far ago. Uh, And that will teach you what I mean by a wave concept or intensity controls. But... What you want to avoid is every time you go to the gym, maxing out because that absolutely does not develop best strength. You can't improve your technique, the finer, like the refinement of technique under purely max effort weights because you're just going to be moving like crap to try not to die. Uh, So you have to be lifting at heavy weights, but not max effort weights. And if you lift too heavy too often, your nervous system gets exhausted and fatigued. And then actually you start to regress in regards to weight tolerances. So typically I write four-week programs for clients. Weeks one, two, and three, we're kind of building on something. Maybe it's a positional cue. Maybe it's a certain muscle group we're trying to focus on. But we're lifting to good form limitations not good form failure but good good form limitations and then maybe in the fourth week we might test something out and see like okay i'm going to push a little bit closer to failure see how this goes if things break down it lets me know what to work on in the next program so you're more so just kind of testing it's controlled testing in week four and then the following program you spend three weeks building whatever it looks like you need to work on and then you test again in that program's week four So those elements are all built into the program. So every workout has movement prep, main lift, and accessories. We add in CNS prep and development when the person's ready. And I, as they get stronger, we have to control more and more and more the intensity that we use in training. And that would be podcast 1846. So those are elements. That's like five things that powerlifting programming should have. And that's all you need. It sounds maybe complex, or to some people it might sound simple, uh, depending on your history. But this is this is what you need. You have a main lift. You have movement preparation to make sure you're moving ready for the day. Then you have your main lift you want to work on. Then you have the accessories that help build up your main lift. You want to put in some CNS kind of development things, and then you want to make sure you're not overtraining your intensity too often. Then from there. If we look at the individual workouts, like workout one, uh, at the beginning of the week, I always start people at squats. Now, beginning of the week would be is after their consecutive days off. So most people have off work on Saturday and Sunday. So Monday would be the start of the week. If I have a client who has Monday and Tuesdays off, then Wednesday is the start of the week. If they have Friday and Saturday off, then Sunday is the start of their week. But if they have two days that are back-to-back, I tend to take the, the next day as the start of their week. Now, if you have somebody who works, you know, odd shifts, so maybe they work, you know, three 12s one week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 
the next week is Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, then you are going to have to kind of finagle it a little bit and just take a guess at what you thought the beginning of the week is. The idea is you want to squat when you have the most freshness, when you've had the most sleep, when you kind of feel the best. The reason why is squat has an like it has the heaviest eccentric component of all lifts. Therefore, it will it will absolutely fatigue you the most and annoy the most things. So you want to do it when you're most fresh. I was talking with one of my clients recently. We were doing a Zoom, and I told them as to why they previously had been training with squats on Fridays, but I, I wanted to move them to squats on Mondays. And one of the things I said was, well, if you think of CNS, like your nervous system, not only does it get fatigued with weight training, but it gets fatigued with life stress. It gets fatigued with like deadlines at work that are looming on you, maybe relationship issues. Uh, You know, as you go through the week, maybe you miss a meal because you're super busy. Maybe you don't sleep as well as you do on the weekends. But our CNS is impacted by everything. And typically, by the end of the week, Thursday, Friday, your CNS is the most beat up it is. So I don't want to be doing the the most demanding workout and exercise in my worst condition. Because then it digs a huge hole that I have a hard time coming back out of. So by him squatting on Fridays, it was actually negatively impacting our deadlift workout that would come on Monday as well. Because he was so beat up and such a hole on Friday that he wasn't able to recover by Monday. Whereas if we make this switch, he's going to find that on his deadlift days now, he's going to feel way more fresh. And he's going to have uh, kind of more effort and be able to be stronger on those days. So I like squatting first. So on our squat workouts, you do the movement prep. You're going to then do the main movement. Now, the main movement of the day can be the competition version of a squat. That is great if you're still learning technique. That is great as you get closer to a meet. When would we use a variation of a squat, such as um, you know safety squat bar or camber bar squats? I tend to do that after a meet. When the person has now like a quote-unquote off-season or they have time where we can kind of pull back on um, the need for it to be a competition-specific lift because they're now the furthest from a competition because they just competed. So one example also is um, when you do camber bar squats, if you've never done them, they're fantastic. They put more of the emphasis into your hips and legs and less into your lower back. So right after a competition, if we've just peaked to some max effort, we did a powerlifting meet, and they just came out of the heaviest blocks of lifting ever, then if we go into a squat variation that reduces lower back involvement, that's going to help them recover faster so we can get into the next phase of the offseason uh, sooner with less injury concern and less wear and tear. So I might have them come out of their powerlifting meet and do a camera bar squat cycle because that reduces the lower back stress, but it still keeps the leg volume up. So there are times in which we use variations of the main lift, and that tends to be furthest away from competitions. As you get closer to a competition, you'd want to have the competition squat, the barbell squat, back squat, and or when somebody's newer to squat and they still have a lot of refinement to do on technique, you don't want them to get too far away from that because you want them to just stay in it and be able to work through the technique uh, concepts. 
Then the accessories that I typically do on squat day are going to be quad focused. How you would know if it's quad focused is it's a lower body movement that you typically have a very upright torso. So some of these might be front squats to work on the quads, might be walking lunges to work on um, unilateral imbalances, but also the quads. Uh, I'll have them do maybe a hack squat because that doesn't use the lower back or the glutes very much. So you want to have more quad dominant movements as the accessories on squat day because we want to save the lower back for deadlifts. Their lower back is going to be taxed in the squats themselves. We do not need to add a hinge-specific movement as an accessory on squat day. Uh, that will overly fatigue their lower back. For any of the clients that I have done that with, because <laughs> there's always exceptions, um, I have accounted for that in the volume and intensity that we're doing in deadlifts. But if you don't have somebody else writing your programming who knows all these nuances, a way to stay safe is just to avoid hinge movements as accessories on squat day. Then workout number two is going to be bench. Again, you do movement prep, shore, uh, shoulders, hips, core, the competition lift. And again, when do we use variations is when you're furthest away from the competition and or you're not in desperate need of technique uh, refinement. For the accessories, I change this per body type. If somebody has long upper arm bones, that means that they naturally recruit their chest better when they do presses. So we can just do more presses, but then do tricep isolations because they're not going to have as good of isolation into their triceps when they're doing presses, like whether it's dumbbell or barbell or whatever, uh, due to the long upper arm bone. So long upper arm bone people, you would do another variation of a press and then a tricep isolation as your accessories. If you have short upper arm bones, that means you do not recruit your chest well when you do presses. So you're going to need some chest isolation work, which would be like chest flies, cable crossovers, things like that. And then you can do any kind of like tricep press, which would be a dip or dumbbell presses in a neutral position. Um, just you don't need the tricep isolation if you have short upper arm bones because your bench is already going to be very tricep dominant. Then we save heavy or high volume lat work for workout number four. So sometimes I've seen trainers program too much lat work on their bench day and then their themselves or their client is their lats are exhausted going into deadlifts in workout three and they can't hold proper position. So you don't want to overdo lat work in workout number two. You want to save the, the high volume heavy lat work for workout number four. Workout number three is going to be deadlift. Again, shoulders, hips, and core for the movement prep. Main lift variation. Uh, you, again, closer to competitions, you're going to do the competition lift. Further from competition, you would do variations to work on uh, known weaknesses or positional aspects. And then the accessories is going to be hinge-focused. Anything that's changing torso angles, so RDLs, stiff leg deadlifts, um, you know, glute uh, GHDs glute ham developers there's about four billion exercises but you would have any variation of those as your accessories for deadlifts so you would go ahead and basically you know fry out the glutes and the hamstrings try not to murder your lower back but you would go ahead and use whatever is left of your lower back for the week 
Then workout number four is bench assistance. Again, movement prep, shoulder, hips, core. Main movement, you would do either the barbell competition bench if they still need more technique work, or you would do a variation if you want to work on different cues or components. Uh, So that one's a little more free because you can do a lot more variations on that day because they've already got to practice technique in workout number two. But if people like having more repetitive technique work or you think they're going to benefit from it, you would have them stick with the competition bench as well in workout number four to pair with workout number two. Then the accessories, lots of lat work. Now you want to kill the lats, make the lats super strong so they can help brace you for squats and deadlifts. And then uh, any kind of pressing accessories, again, is going to be short arm versus long arm dependent, whether it's chest presses or chest isolations or tricep isolations or tricep presses. So... I know I went through this relatively quick, or at least to me this is quick. (laughs) I know we're coming on 25 minutes, but this is a rundown of a powerlifting template that I've used from people to do their first meet ever all the way to elite totals. And again, it's workout one is squat, workout two is bench, workout three is deadlift, workout four is bench again. Every workout has movement prep, main lift, and accessories. Then we add in CNS development and preparation as we can. And we also add in intensity waves as the person gets stronger. You can find that template on our website. Again, it's 50 plus pages. You can download that, read through it. You can also set up a free 15-minute consultation with me, and I'd be happy to uh, talk with you. The idea of the 15-minute consultations is if somebody's considering working with me, I would like to meet you you know, virtually face-to-face, talk about what your goals are, what you've been doing, what your challenges are, and then what we could do to overcome those challenges. So if you're interested, you can just shoot me an email at brutalironjim at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, go to the one-on-one services page, and there's a link there to sign up for the consultations as well. Okay, hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully it kind of gave you a rundown of what to do that might feel a little overwhelming, but it at least feels like it's within grasp of understanding. (laughs) That's the goal. If you need anything, always reach out. I'm always here and I'm always happy to help. If you like the podcast, please share the podcast. If you like the podcast, please consider donating to support the podcast, which you can do on our website. Also, if you like the information we share in the podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. You can find us and follow us on Instagram and YouTube under the name Brutal Iron Jim. As always, I hope this was helpful and thank you for listening.